So, you know, 101, I thought was a smashing success in terms of uh, keep it, keeping the wheel spinning, you know, like we hit a hundred, mm. there's some trepidation, at least on my end, maybe you weren't worried about like, where do, where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't really worried about it because we already had like a hundred episodes where we figured that out. So it's kind of, it's kind of old hat at this point. But you know that like that two seconds before I press record is always the scariest two seconds for me because I, you know, I'm like, what are we going to talk about sort of deal? And this time I was saved only by the fact that 101, we talked about for a long period of time, horses, camels, and giraffes, like the utility and and spiders, dude, we, we spent a good 20 minutes on spiders in that episode yeah i was trying to forget that nightmare but uh or no we're talking about getting over that fear or whatever but that's a right my point is this i had more horse questions that i didn't Mm. ask last time and so i'm hoping if we can open up that particular book if we can get the little bookmarker out of that chapter i just want to yeah no i mean i I do just want to say real quick that like it's interesting to me that you know putting horse in front of any other word makes it immediately funnier and like we've done that before on this podcast with like monkey Netflix or, you know, rat college or whatever we've said. Um, but yeah, uh, go ahead with your horse questions. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you, you already sold the premise, which is just like, listen, I was sitting in bed the other night and then a car commercial came on and it was like 400 horsepower. And I got really <laughs> fascinated with the idea that we still mark the power of a car by how many horses is the equivalent to like, this yeah. is almost like the King's foot equals a foot thing, except it's yeah. about horse. How did they how did they determine that unit of measurement? Did they like put a horse on an old timey treadmill and see how much power it generated? Like, how, how does that work? Right, right. Or like towing capacity and all that shit. Right. Because mm-hmm. like what we don't realize is like, yes, the horses are the, the, the function of momentum. But like those right. things, there's like wagons are meant to roll on their own. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a counterbalance and stuff like that. So I'm always really fascinated by how that metric came to be, let alone how that metric is still the standard metric some 100 years after the automobile, 115 years after the automobile. Right. Well, I guess we're in too deep now, you know, to change it. Like, what would we <laughs> even say? Like, it's got uh, 400 car power in this car. Well, but I, I mean, like going back to what we're talking about last week, it's like, how are we supposed to know that in different regions, they don't have other metrics of animals? You know what I mean? Like, like our, because I don't, are horses wild in Africa? Like, I don't think they are. So at that point you're like, do they use zebra power? Do they use giraffe power? Do they use elephant power? Uh, what's the other one? Gazelles. Like, do they, you know what I'm saying? Do we start, you ever get like a lawnmower and they have like the multiple modes on it and they, and they de- delineate how fast it is based on an animal. It'll be like a tortoise or like a right. rabbit. Right. Yeah. So I'm just saying like, is that a thing? Like, we have just used animals for comparable speed all the time as metrics for power and for speed. Yeah, Not I mean, every animal is indigenous to every area of the world. That's my point. And it's amazing that we have like colonized this. Sure. I mean, well, it is elemental, right? Like one of the first things that you're taught right out of the gate, right out of the womb is like cow goes moo, horse goes neigh, duck goes quack. So it's like, you know, you you have that in your brain. That's like a formative thing that you know is that animals do things. And mm-hmm. now this lawnmower, like, yeah, it does something similar to that animal. So I kind of <laughs> get it on that level. <laughs> well, it would make sense if it was like, if, if your lawnmower had a picture of a cow and you're like, well, you know, cows, they graze. And so that's what you're going to ultimately do. That sort of makes more sense. Like that's a, that's a delineation of function, not a delineation of speed or power. So I like, I, I buy what you're selling. I don't buy what Mm. corporate America is selling to me. With all the power of a cow, this lawnmower. (laughs) Look four four stomachs. I mean, we're going to undercut four stomachs. That's four times the amount of stomachs that we have. That's true. That is technically true. And you know, they could put like four bags on it. And, you know, right. like have like little fake udders, you know, just make it super grotesque, but people will get the message. I think that we need to pivot. <laughs> you think we need to pivot what? Cows as an industry? <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm watching Mad Men right now and I'm thinking about okay. like, how would I pitch this product? You know, like how, okay. how would I like walk into, what, what's a lawnmower company? Uh, John Deere. Yeah. Like how would I walk into John Deere's office and be like, I got an idea for you. You need to pivot, you know, change the conversation as Don Draper would say. He's an associate of mine. Uh, we're going to change introduce- the conversation to what? Yeah. Like what, 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 what are they mired in right now? They actually, they're the one company that has a fucking deer, like their, their name and the animal that they function against deer also graze. They're the only ones who make okay. sense. 
So then we go to a competitor and we say, <laughs> you don't have a strong enough animal symbol to compete with the John Deere's of the world out there. That's why you've got 20% market share and they've got 80. So Whoa. we're going to, we're going to get you that cow mower, baby. You know, throw some udders on that thing. People will love it. Well, Maybe it's like it Honda. It's like, you know, some almond milk. Uh, <laughs> while you're at it so it's both yeah. a cow and, and a, a, a commentary on the obsolete obsolete nature of the cow as we move towards alternative milk sources yeah i mean it's very cerebral but you know people will will get it on that fundamental level you know cow mower it's got all the power of a cow <laughs> it'll make sense emotionally it doesn't need to make sense logically or right cerebrally at that at that point i don't know i'm just i i i you know i'm still thinking about things where like there are not animals that are present that would equate in the same way. You know, what that's you my mean? big thing. Well, I mean, like in Australia, do they talk about kangaroo power? You know what I mean? Because that is a indigenous animal. I'm sure they have horses too. I'm not being an asshole. I'm just saying. Sure. Like, I, I don't think that they ever like harness the power of a kangaroo though, is the thing. It's like, I, I think right. that we need that that relation to like, oh, this is like an animal that we can control. Now, granted, we don't control tortoises, but they're so easy to catch that right. like- We might why, as well, we yeah. Try, yeah. We so give like them agency as a gift because they're beneath right. us to even try to control. I feel you. It, yeah. yeah. If you had like a, you know, a, a kangaroo as a unit of measurement, people would think that this thing is just going to hop around and do crazy shit that they right. can't predict, you know? Yeah. We've never had that desert Iditarod film, you know, like where, where you know, dogs will push a human over a vastness of snow and land. We don't have the Australian equivalent where like kangaroos are put on sleds and they jump yeah. their way across the nightmarish outback you know but maybe well, it, we all- i mean it, yeah maybe like I, I don't know like i think it would be speaking of pivoting like a good pivot from the jurassic world films like what if in the third one like all the dinosaurs died off and then the third one is just about you know chris pratt on a kangaroo farm trying to train the kangaroos to respect them <laughs> well see here's the problem with that i i feel like it's going to become a harrowing drama about this guy had the the highest highs of thrills Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, kangaroo is cool, but it ain't a raptor. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like a sad right. story about he's uh, he's unfulfilled now. and Yeah, he's drinking too much. He's back to being Chris Fat. Uh-oh. Yeah, he lost yeah. himself. Oh, and Thunder Guns is really, you know, had a moral downfall. Jess- Jessica Chet, no wait, Bryce Dallas Howard, not Whoa. Jessica Chastain. <laughs> Two different redheads. That's offensive to redheads. Uh <laughs> I feel like that's the last group that you're allowed to offend because there are so few redheads that I think it's easy to mistake them all the time, especially yeah. those two. Like, who are we kidding? Well, you remember that blowback to that that MIA video, Born Free, like 10 years ago? I barely. Will you remind me? Will you remind yeah, my 20-year-old the- self? In the video, uh, MIA is like doing like a satire or whatever, and it's like redheads uh, are being rounded up as an ethnic group and then set loose on a minefield where they're like exploded and shot at. And it's like a commentary on like, oh, like you have a different reaction to this when you're watching white redheads getting rounded up, don't you? And like a bunch of redheads came out and they were like, this is offensive to gingers. We are like, you know, <laughs> like that combined with the South Park episode, I think that like it really set off the, the ginger community. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> we need to protect them. Here's the thing. It's like if you're a redhead and you're Irish, maybe there is that feeling of, of persecution, right? Like you're you're waiting for that well, other shoe to drop. But I mean, famously, redheads don't understand satire. So is, what is that it a is. fact? Is that a fact? Do we have yeah. a bunch of evidence of that? I mean, we have the evidence of the Born Free and the South Park episode. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, how much more do you need? I guess all of it. I don't know. I, I, I was, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Like I need all of it. I just want what to know what's mean? going on there. I mean, what is, what, what are like, they? Like that, that's a Christian unit of measurement. All of it. All of it. <laughs> we got horsepower, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like red, redheads are, are, I think the weirdest uh, metric out there because they are like oddly fetishized, right? Like we have the white stripes. He's always talking about redheads and uritas and stuff like that. Right. And isn't there a song? I think there's a song that's like uh, blondes have more fun and, and, and brunettes do this, but redheads, I don't know the fucking song. You know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like they get their own shout out is my point. Sure. Well, they, they are one of the, what, four hair colors you can have primary hair colors. 
I mean, supposedly, but it's like people with green eyes, you know, like people, right. people with green eyes are rare. Or, okay. So Liz Taylor, that's her name, right? Liz Taylor. She had violet eyes. She played Cleopatra. Am I fucking that mm -hmm. up? Okay. So it's like, is that real? Does she have actual violet eyes? Can people genetically have violet eyes? They can. Yeah. I think that they can have like a version of that or something. I just mean that that seems so genetically infrequent. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like that, that's like beyond a recessive gene. That's like some shit that like once every hundred thousand people or once every 1 million people has violet eyes. It just seems like, I don't know where that comes from in regards to all the other genetic traits you could sort of trace back. Right. Why the majority of people have brown eyes or have blue eyes and green eyes is rare. Violet eyes is super rare, you know? Right. And I just, I don't know that I shit. I only ever knew that green eyes were super rare because of Big Trouble in Little China, where the main villain keeps rounding up women with green eyes because it's hella rare. And he's like into it, I guess. I thought it was like, <laughs> he's just into it. Look, we can't be kink shaming, especially back then. That's a pretty innocuous, you know. That's kink. a very innocuous. I mean, it's resulting in the kidnapping of women, but it's an innocuous kink on its own. Right, right. Well, I thought the whole bit of that was just that it was Chinese women with green eyes, because I would I would wager that that's not well, only rare, that's genetically like anomaly, like like a zero point zero one percent. But th doesn't he find like what is it, Kim Cattrall or something, and she's like a white lady with green eyes, and he's like, I'm gonna snatch you up too. Might as well. well that was a happy while accident. I'm here. Just, yeah, exactly. Like he went to the store with the idea to get one thing and he realized it was a buy to get one sort of situation. So he's like, look, right. it's gladness. It's kind but... of like the philosophy of having a lot of kids back in the day. Like, oh, well, if you lose one, you have one on backup. Right, right. That makes sense. I like that people were really fucking like practical about uh, child mortality rate back then. You know, they're yeah. like, it's a gamble. Everyone knows it's a gamble. So let's just, you know, take 10 cracks at that thing. If we get five, we're doing all right. It's like baseball numbers. You know what I mean? If you're batting 300, right. you're a Hall of Famer. So imagine just getting 50% of your kids. And, you know, you. I wonder if like people, people celebrated the least amount of miscarriages and stillborns back in the day, as opposed to like when kids were actually born. It was about the the fewest amount of uh, tragedies you had in your life. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure that like parents back then probably didn't get too attached, right? Like they, they, they were probably like, uh, I don't know, wait for like three or four of them, then maybe like start getting to know them. But like until now, just have them do hard labor. <laughs> Which well, I was going to say is what kills the kid, right? <laughs> they, they, they get killed on the construction side or some shit. They weren't wearing a uh, little kid hard hats like they were supposed to, but I was right. the same thing I was thinking, which is like, how many times do parents just not get close with their kids for the sheer fact that they were like, Oh, the odds are they're going to die. <laughs> right. They, they, they did the numbers. They, they did the calculus on that. And they were like, right. eh, no, I mean, like, I like the kid. I, I feel like a strong, like hormonal attachment to him as my child. Sure. Eh, better, better wait and see. We'll see what happens. He might turn out to be a murderer or a thief too. So there's always yeah. that possibility. There's a lot where's, of that going around in the wild west. Yeah. Where's that music video? Where's MIA like teaching us the, the tragic pitfalls of, of being I shitty mean, to your kids for five years? Are, are we, are we depending yes. on MIA to be like the yes, primary school? <laughs> yeah, I think I th of course we are. And I mean, I, I find it interesting that people try to make matches. Like, did you see this fucking Daft Punk video, this epilogue thing that came out yesterday? No, I, I saw like I'm uh, subscribed to S uh, Simpsons Bort, Bort posting on Facebook. <laughs> and there's been a lot of Daft Punk memes lately, but I thought it was just a cyclical thing. They came out with a new thing. Well, they broke up yesterday. <gasps> Daft Punk did. Yeah, oh, I know. Oh. It's like 20, 28 years or something. It's real sad. But uh, they did it by releasing this video and it was eight minutes long and it was just called Epilogue. And it starts with like breaking bad framing as both of the robots are walking through the desert and one slows his walk and the other one starts to get his distance from him and he gets out of mm -hmm. focus, right? And then he just stops and then he eventually walks over to him and one of the robots takes his like robot jacket off and turns around to reveal a self-destruct button. And then, and then they just stare at each other. It's like way more emotional than it has any fucking right to be because like there's no talking. It's just the robot heads looking at each other. Right. And and then like finally the other robot like touches the self destruct button and puts it on. It has a minute down a minute counter. And then it just cut to a fucking Sergio Leone like super wide landscape shot as the other robot slowly walks away for forty five seconds uncut. And then he literally explodes. He explodes into a billion pieces. And the other robot is just left to watch and then walks into the sunset. And you're like, what the fuck? And then they what put up like, 
Why does Go the ahead. one explode and then the other one doesn't? Why does one get to walk into the sunset? Well, see, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, what if this is like them telling a real story, which is like one of the robots was like, you know, 28 years is pretty good. I'm 50. Mm -hmm. Paris is nice. I don't want to leave Paris. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have just been like he was leaving. So they wrote it artistically as this uh, version of one of the robots asking to self-destruct and to, right. you know, to go to the other place. But I still, like, what I'm saying is like way too much artistry for a breakup or maybe not enough. Maybe more people need to take note about the power of the moving image. When I was right. in Italy, they fetishized the fuck out of Benito Mussolini because he's like, Benito Mussolini understood the power of the moving image. And I, and obviously Daft Punk too, Who's big fans of Benito. <laughs> when I went to, uh, when I went to Cinecita, right? When I went to go, like, I wanted to walk the lots where, where Scorsese made Gangs of New York, where Sergio did parts of fucking Good, Bad and the Ugly, right? So I went to their, their big film studio there and it was amazing how much the people of Italy simultaneously shame Benito Mussolini, but also really like Benito Gotta Mussolini. Gotta give him props though. Gotta give him fucking props, dude. That's all they do. They're just like, oh, he was obviously terrible, but you know, Benito Mussolini yeah. understood the resources of an on-time train. <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck? Jesus. Yeah, that, that's literally like people here saying like, you know, Hitler was bad and all, but, and it's like, no, just stop right there. <laughs> stop. It's Henry Ford. He's just like, but uh, the fucking Jews. <laughs> What was that book that Henry Ford wrote? Like legit, it was like it was Wasn't about it called Jews. the fucking the fucking. Was it Jews? called the fucking Jews? Like he didn't give a fuck. It was nineteen forty something. He was like, "Fuck it, right. Jews, man." Yeah, oh he had a God. lot of buying powder, power, a lot of goodwill. You know, everybody was driving <laughs> his cars. He could get away with it, probably. My God. Um, all right. I, I, I want to get off this subject because it'll kill me if I go down too far about Daft Punk and, and Henry Ford and all this other shit. Right. But, but the, uh, the long story short, you're saying that uh, other groups are really phoning in their breakups. Like they just release a press statement or they just like don't release anything for a while and they go, yeah, we broke up. Sorry. Yeah. Daft because Punk I was. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's really interesting because they had like a couple different resurgences in their career. Like when you said cyclical nature of the posts, you were like, yeah. I think speaking to the idea that they're a boomerang pop culturally, they fuck off for like, or they're more like a comet <laughs> with a very short yeah. orbit period. It's like, yeah, they'll go away for a minute. They always come back pretty strong and they come back into like the public consciousness or whatever. Um, but I'm thinking about other bands like, you know, when the White Stripes broke up, think about every weird artistic thing that the White Stripes did in their music videos and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They couldn't have figured out a way to like do a really cool art uh, breakup. Or do you think it's because of the nature of breakups are usually someone's the lever? Very rarely is it a is a like decision, a mutual decision to do something. Right. It's not like they decided together and then high five, you know, usually. I don't think yeah. I actually just watched. I don't have a whole lot to add here because I didn't watch the whole thing, but I just watched like a part of a thing about Credence's breakup album, uh -huh. Mardi Gras, and like uh -huh. what a, a historical shit show it was. And it was just talking about like how fucking messy it was to like make that album. Everybody hated each other. Same with the Beatles, like so many historically, you know, uh, tenuous, uh, acrimonious uh, fucking band breakups out there. So, hey, Daft Punk went out in style, but I think that probably is the, the rare exception to the rule. What do you think that is about people who are very successful? Because I, I think about this all the time where it's just like, I don't care how much you guys hate each other. You mm -hmm. you get to play music for a living. That's your job. Right? And, and I guess maybe it comes to a point where you're successful. You have all the money in the world and you feel like I don't need to deal with the frustration of this anymore uh, right. compared to my my own money and I can do whatever I want. But I still think about that all the time. It's like, why do you guys hate each other? Like you're playing fucking music and writing shit together. Like how much conflict and strife is there really? And then, like at that point, it seems like it's your own doing. Yeah, yeah. And also like there probably is like an expiration date on some of this shit. Like there's, there's a reason that, you know, only like fucking boomers go to see like the remaining Beach Boys get together and play concerts because they're still a touring band or whatever. But it's like without Brian Wilson, who needs that, you know? Right. And that was kind of the problem with Credence is like it was John Fogarty who did everything. And the other guys were like, we want to do stuff too. And then they did this stuff on Mardi Gras and it was like fucking trash. So so you so you you're on his side here. You think he is the uh, end all be all genius of that group and everyone else wasn't well because I think about yeah. like Fleetwood Mac and stuff right where that's like another thing where mm -hmm. like you know Lindsey Buckingham and fucking Stevie Nicks and all these other right. people and it's just like well that seemed to be like a real everyone's you know because they talk about that the the song The Chain 
And the chain is literally like a super collaborative thing where everybody had their own part that was like responsible right. for it. And I'm like, wow, that's collaboration. You got everybody to buy yeah. into this thing and make an all-time classic. But it seems really hard to do that with four people, let alone two people. You know what I mean? Well, like with CCR, like, um, like, can you name anybody in that band aside from John Fogarty? No, hell no. No, of yeah, course exactly. not. <laughs> yeah. and, and I can't either. Like, and I watched a video about it. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, didn't he get sued for making music that sounded like Creedence Clearwater? <laughs> like CCR sued him for writing CCR sounding songs like that he wrote himself. Fucking probably. So, did. Were they successful amazing. somehow? I hope not, because in what world are we living in where that actually gets, you know, like. Right. A, they they a were like a backup court. band at best. Don't tell them that, you know, because like, we've talked about this before, which is like, I get really shitty at, about people who name the band after themselves. And it can be either like Dave Matthews band, the fuck, or, or things where they don't even have the whole band in there. It's just like Santana. Santana is a band, you know, right. and it's named after Santana. And I'm like, that's pretty shitty. We never go the other way and appreciate the fucking Fogarty's of the world who are like, I guess we'll call this Creedence Clearwater Revival instead of John Fogarty's five. You know what I mean? Like, like he right. deserves credit for being a selfless guy who hid behind a fucking moniker rather than putting his own name on the on the marquee. Where's his love? Yo, that that's that's really the takeaway from this podcast for me today is like <laughs> John Fogarty, where's the love? You know? <laughs> Uh, he's just a he's he's an artist misunderstood in his time. That's what I think. Yeah, just uh, sitting on his millions from fucking fortunate son alone. <laughs> from every every time a Vietnam movie goes into production, like Fogarty's like starts salivating at the mouth. That's his Pavlovian response because well, he knows I, he's yeah. getting that check. I told you, like I I literally shut off the post because five minutes in over Vietnam footage, Spielberg had the gall to drop. <laughs> fortunate son over the footage and i'm like what are you doing dude you're better than this and then i'm like is he though i don't know right i saw really right. player one. Oh, poor baby you're coming you're coming at spielies you know he's trying his he's, best he's fine there's a lot of sympathy today uh for millionaires on this podcast i'm noticing or is he a billionaire um, oh yeah he's got billy with a b for sure let's yeah. not let's not downplay that guy's achievements um but I don't know. I mean, yo, speaking of like other uh, fucking uh, misunderstood artists in their time, are we going to talk about this Snyder thing? Like this, this we can. I, know, I feel like we must. Okay. Because mm -hmm. yesterday I had this great idea that I said to you as a joke, but then I really was thinking about it afterwards. So people don't know this Snyder cut is a couple weeks away. Cause God hates us apparently. And yeah. uh, he put out an image of Jared Leto Joker with a crown of thorns. Right. In a Jesus this, pose. In a Jesus pose. And so continuing our big beef with him, which is that this guy is as subtle as a fucking atom bomb, you know, just like mm -hmm. killing flies with cannonballs and shit like that. Um, and, and it just keeps getting worse and worse, in my opinion. But then as a mm -hmm. joke to you, I was just like, where's the Snyder cut of the New Testament? And this right. really captured my imagination to the point where I called my brother, my brother who went to ministry school. I don't know if you know that about George. George went to ministry mm -hmm. yeah. school. Okay. So he really knows his Bible and I call him up and I'm like, Hey, can we talk about this Bible for a second? Because here's the thing. All the bangers are in the first book. Like, I'm sorry to say like in, in the old Testament, you get fucking Genesis, you get Cain and Abel, you get the great flood, you get fucking yeah, the all Exodus. the, all the mythic shit. Whereas the, the rest of the Bible is basically a listicle. Well, yeah, right. It kind of is. So I asked him about it. I'm like, so what's up with the New Testament? And he's like, well, it starts with the four Gospels. And I'm like, OK, so it starts there. There's no preamble. There's not like, hey, and we're back. All right. Mm. So this is what you need to catch up with. Right. Like setting the, the stage previously you know? on the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do that with like Don Quixote. Like so people forget Don Quixote is two books and one and they put them together subsequently. But they were written eight, nine years apart. And the whole first part of Don Quixote part two is him shitting on someone else's sequel equalization of Don Quixote mm -hmm. and then setting the stage for the rest of the fucking book. And so there's none of that. It just goes right into the gospels according to people. And then I'm like, okay, but then after those four books, I, my personal knowledge of the new Testament, I completely check out after the crucifixion and after the resurrection. And I, and where does everyone pick back up like revelation, right? That's the only right. other reference point. What's going on in the rest of this Bible. And I had to ask my brother this, who then was like, all right, kind of think of it as like, um, uh, 
as like a rock tour, right? So like they all <laughs> I immediately fell in love with this analogy. I was like, okay, this is a rock tour. This is the Stones, but like in the 90s as opposed to the Stones in the 70s. And, and he's like, after Jesus gets killed, Every, all his homies go out into the world. So when you you have like Romans and Ephesians and and you know the Corinthians and all that, and that's about mm -hmm. them going to different tour uh, different cities on the tours. But basically, yeah. every show get goes really terribly. <laughs> like that's what he was telling. Oh, me. okay, it's yeah. Like, well, because I, I I actually was flipping through. I have a Bible that my grandpa left me um, before he passed away. Um, and I'm at my mom's house. That's where I keep the Bible because it's not really something I crack open that often. And I like right. on a whim cracked it open, and it is just a lot of some guy visiting another guy's house mm -hmm. that's it that's the whole that, that's the <laughs> end of my statement so yeah but that's so that's like the whole crux of there's 27 books in the new testament right and right. so the five of them are the ones that we've talked about the, all the gospels and then the revelation so there's 22 other books where homies are just going to cities being yelled at <laughs> And, and then being like persecuted or killed. That's like the whole New Testament, which is sort of interesting because at the same yeah. time, there is this political intrigue, like a Game of Thrones level political intrigue mm -hmm. as like the Romans who are running this shit are like, yo, we, we fuck, like whack them all these fucking Jesus people. You know, you take one out, they pop up somewhere else. And so I got like really, really fascinated with that. And I got really fascinated with one character in particular, which is Paul. Right, who is formerly Saul in the Bible? I don't show me that fucking dog, Max. I'm talking about Jesus stuff, and I hate that dog. Ugh. Yeah, uh, we we do need to emotionally explore this, and I really do want to understand it. But we'll get back to Jesus. So, what, what's your what's your deal with Jesus? Okay, um, my deal with Jesus is just that Jesus, I found out, I think is a secondary character in the New Testament. This was mm. a real eye opener for me, right? Because Paul, formerly Saul is a murderer it doesn't have doesn't have eyes can't see and shit is given sight by god and all this shit right and what's really interesting about it to me is that he is the most fervent of the supporters after jesus dies so he's the one who goes out there but unlike jesus right this was a, again big uh, bang for me unlike jesus yeah. who is a perfect human being okay he admits that he's like hey i'm a human and i fucking suck all the time he doesn't say it like that but that's the the gist of it you know so it's like jesus everyone says oh be jesus like but it's impossible to be a fucking perfect person what i took away is like be a paul you know be someone who can who is capable of fucking up the entire time uh right. you know but but still strives to be a decent person and I feel like right. Paul gets fucking buried in the narrative, man. Like no one's Aww. given Paul love in this narrative, right? Like, have you heard Poor about Paul. this shit? Yeah. No, I haven't heard about this shit because, you know, I, I'm not as familiar with the Bible as, you know, a referential text at all, more, right. more much less a, uh, a text I grew up with because it didn't. So <laughs> it's news to me. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, this brings me to my point where I just wanted to learn all of this Bible stuff, right? I wanted to know who was the who because I would love to make a New Testament adaptation by Zack Snyder. I want the Snyder cut of the New Testament. And what I realized right. about that is it's got it's got second act issues, right? <laughs> like because the first act, like think about it, the first act is they kill Jesus. Like that's the that's page 20 on this fucking rewrite. And then there's a hundred pages more <laughs> where like it's just unending persecution. I mean, I can see Zack Snyder now just like putting his hands up to his face like this, you know, just thinking about it really hard and then just going, <laughs> I know, I got it. And then just slow, slow motion montage, fade in, drop a slow piano cover of Hallelujah. <laughs> and then just fucking a lot of that for a while. Yeah, <laughs> it's good easy. It's easy. Bringing yeah. Bob Dylan, you know, I don't know. Well, okay, so who would you recast the Bible with? Like, if you wanted to do like Pontius Pilate, you know, today, if you Danny wanted to DeVito. do DeVito is Pontius Pilate, okay, pretty badass. And now you have a merry band of 12 disciples, by the way. Now, I don't want to go through all the disciples, I just want to cast the three biggies if we can, okay? Who's okay. Judas Iscariot? Who is the betrayer of Jesus in the uh, Zack Snyder Snyder cut <laughs> of the New Testament? John Goodman. John Goodman is Judas Iscariot. Okay. Well, I like that because Judas hangs himself, as you well know, after guilt ridden, if the demons come after him. Um, right. And he's like, he's a, he's a large man. So I think they're going to have to find a very hollow, a very strong oak to, to, to hold, hold him up when he hangs himself. 
<clears throat> okay, so that's Judas Iscariot. What about uh, Doubting Thomas? All right, the man who said, let me see these wounds. Who do you I want? I mean, you know, a, a guy that I think of when I think of doubt is Michael Shannon. He just seems really unsure of himself. So I'm going <laughs> to have him. He's very intense about it. Okay. Like, right. Very intense in his uncertainty. Very scared. Like he's got a, a fucking vein throbbing in his head, right. but it, it's from doubt. It's not from anger. Yeah. Just think of like Boardwalk Empire, uh, Michael Shannon, but yeah. as a doubting Thomas and he's sure. scared, he's not sure, sure but he's mad okay. about it. So we got Goodman, we got Michael Shannon, and can we cast DeVito. Peter? Peter, well, Peter denies Christ three times, you know? Like, who's got the gravitas? Who's got the fucking, you know, emotional chops to bring us to that conclusion? Because if you remember, Peter's like, motherfucker, I ain't never going to deny you, let alone deny you three times, and then he does. So it's got to, you got to sell that shit. I mean, you, you realize that right now you're putting me on the spot with characters I'm not familiar with, and I'm just, like, pulling names out of my ass, but... <laughs> De Niro, I can hear him saying, "You want no. De Niro? <laughs> no, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you. I'm not gonna do it, Jesus. He's just really angry." <laughs> all right, I can see it. Look, we're like it's a reimagining of the Bible. All right, we don't have to sure. fucking we don't have to keep I everyone. Age. Every single one of these people are like, aside from Michael Shannon, like above the age of sixty at this point. Well, I think that's even better because it's like people who are uh, twice as old as Jesus leave their families and all their possessions to go wandering around the desert with mm -hmm. a 33 year old, you know, like that almost makes it better. So I'm actually totally into it. All right. So Pontius Pilate is our, is our, is DeVito. DeVito's our Pontius Pilate. Right. Do you want to, do you want to cast Mary Magdalene or, or the Virgin Mary or anybody? I'm just trying to get a rich tapestry here. So far we, we have gotten people who are certainly above the pedigree of what Snyder has casted so far. Like we're giving him weapons that might make him look good somehow. You know what I mean? This isn't right. Gal Gadot or whatever her fucking name is. This is uh Oh, John Goodman. Be <laughs> well, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, of course, he would maintain that relationship with her and, and make right. her just as a financial Christ or practical or Christ's main squeeze, you know, like depending on how you look at it. Because <laughs> what? We're still playing like that wasn't his main squeeze. Come on. Mary Magdalene was just a friend. Bullshit. My uncle Terry has been living with the same woman for 30 fucking years, but they're just friends. Like, all right. right. Uncle like Terry. based on what Terry's doing. Yeah. Same with my aunt Kathy. She's been living with the same woman for the past 40 years, but no, we're just roommates. Like, okay. Oh, really? Uh, Kathy on which side? On my dad's side. I'm not <laughs> trying to drop like, <laughs> no, I'm so into this. This is great. Like we never talked about this. No, it's okay. Let's, let's stay focused here. Okay. So with all those caveats, like here's my question. Zack Snyder gets the opportunity to, to redo the new Testament. We know the Jesus story well, and stuff like that. Like what, did what, we what, not cast Jesus though? Well, that's what I was bringing up. That's my point. Oh, okay. Like we've casted the whole supporting crew, but this is Zack Snyder's the new Testament. All right. Like this shit's this ain't the old new Testament. This is the new Testament. So it doesn't even have to be Jesus as we know. It can be anyone. It can be anyone right. that you want to be Christ. You know, I, I just watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah recently, and I'm mm -hmm. I'm pitching uh, fucking Lake Keith Stanfield or well, Jesse Plemons, one of the two. <laughs> That's how good that role is. It could be fucking either of them, right? And they don't remind you of each other. It's not like Lakeith Stanfield and, and fucking homie from Get Out, whose name I can't, Daniel, what's his last name? Uh, cool. Kaluuya. Kaluuya. All right. So it's not like those two where you could say, ah, oh, well, there's some overlap there, I guess. Yeah, Plemons or Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield is my... Like he's my favorite actor. Like him and Adam Driver are very equals to me in a really weird way because of they do the same thing where they can embody different roles mm. while still being themselves. It's very interesting to me. So Lakeith Stanfield, Jesus, I love it because also Jesus was a brown guy. I'm glad we're not going the Jim Cavazel fucking, you know, Willem waspy. Defoe. Yeah. Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> Willem Dafoe is metal in that fucking movie. I don't know if you remember this or not, but Willem Dafoe stabs Lazarus in the fucking heart. In I actually haven't seen it. It's it's oh. one of my remaining Scorseses. I know, I know, I know. It's amazing. But hey, you know, like uh, Willem Dafoe, like I, I almost don't even think of him ethnically. He's like a goblin man. He's not <laughs> even like a human person to me. <laughs> I sort of agree with that where I feel yeah. like he, he is a remnant of the Sumerian lizard people who survived right. like whatever asteroids and shit hit the earth. And, and just like when, when the coast was clear, he's like, all right, what is it? 1960. All right, I'm going to emerge. And just like the, there, there were the, the sapiens, the Neanderthals, and then whatever the, 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 the Defoe's. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> he's the last of his kind, just going out there, fucking acting his heart out. But he's lonely. Yeah. That poor guy. The, the yeah. Defoe line has been pure for generations. They're like Nick Boyles. <laughs> Well, see, that's like the weird thing that would happen in Zack Snyder's New Testament. Like a portal would open and fucking Defoe would pop out as right. like a Sumerian Defoe Jesus or whatever. Oh, and then like we would have dually. reality Jesus. Right. Well, that's what we're doing, right? We're doing Into the Spider-Verse for fucking everything. So if it's good enough for everyone else, I guess it's good enough for Zack Snyder's Jesus tale. Parallel yeah. universes. Well, who, who would you want to play God in this? I'm going to throw it back to you. But see, that's the weird thing, because like, is God in this? You know, like I like is that really like a character past the Old Testament? Like, does he show up much? Not really, because Jesus is the personified version of it, right? So even in Revelation, it's not God is giving the revelations. Jesus, which is very strange I'm just to pitch me. something ridiculous, but Let's just have like fucking Pee Wee Herman in the sky occasionally, <laughs> just looking down on everyone. He like winks. See, I, I like the idea of that, but I think if we're doing a true Snyder thing, That's right? Like Snyder, yeah, it wouldn't be. Well, if it's true Snyder, it wouldn't even be like the mystery would be God abandoned us, right? Like Jesus right. would be would be, like, be like the absentee father. He'd be like the Harrison Ford type. Seriously, and everything would be like grayscaled to fuck. There'd be desaturated colors, and like you know what I'm saying. Like all that shit would happen because it would be a brooding commentary, like Keith Stanfield, who was just like uh, uh, dealing with abandonment issues and shit. And God never existed. Like that, they go post, they go postmodernist with it, which is like not God is dead, God never existed. But yet here we are in a Jesus story. You know what I mean? So Ooh, shit. So this would be extra sacrilegious. <laughs> Well, it'd be Snyder doing Snyder stuff. What is it like? He he makes Superman Jesus. Everyone's fine with it. He makes Joker Jesus not as fine with it. You know, people. Do you get think that that it. was like a, a self-aware? He's aware of the memes at this point. Like he put the "We live in a society" line in there. Like he knows that's a meme. He has to know. I think he's just trolling everybody. And and a part yeah. of me really appreciates that. The other part of me that I don't like is that he. <laughs> I don't know. I got into like some bit, like some shit with someone the other day because I'm like, you're acting as if we don't have six hours or more to pull from where we know exactly what kind of filmmaker he is, what kind of story he's interested in telling. Because he mm -hmm. was like, all this hate, it's so, it's just so cynical to hate on someone before his movies even come out. And I'm like, that would be true if we didn't have a bunch of evidence and he right. wasn't the most truculent piece of shit to anyone who has valid criticism of his work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not that I'm yeah. rooting against him. I just, I like to see people fail. You know, <laughs> I'm not rooting for it. I just, I'm hoping. I'm hoping for I like it. You didn't, like add a qualifier to that. It's not like I like to see people who suck fail. It's I just like <laughs> to see people fail. Uh, Hard stuff. I, the harder the fucking head, the the you know, the faster they fall. It's like the harder they fall situation. And he's got like the hardest. The harder head. the head. <laughs> he's hard headed. He is, dude. He's like he's sitting there just being a fucking asshole about everything. So I, I want him to fail real bad. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, well, I hope he does, but he's he's got like he's kind of got this like kind of culty Trump situation going on with some of his fans. I guess fan yeah. bases are all culty, but like we're like no matter what the guy does, they're gonna like fucking eat it up, you know. Um, so I'm sure there's gonna be a fair amount of fan service. There's gonna do, do you want to do like a what do you want to do when that shit comes out? Because I know I want to do something with it. Do you want to do like a commentary track? Do you want to fucking do like a mystery science theater 3000? Do you want to just wallow in our own misery quietly and just text each other? Like, how, how yeah, are we? No, 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 no. I think we should do a live thing for it. Like, we watch it together live. Mm -hmm. And I'm only doing it once. I don't want to review this movie so much as I want to experience this movie in real time and right. then pause it to talk shit about it. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be a four hour movie, which means we're probably going to need five and a half hours to do this the right way. I'm sure just knowing ourselves and yeah, just clear, clear my busy schedule. <laughs> it's an endurance test. And my point is the last time you were here for some reason, we said, Hey, let's watch Batman versus Superman. The director's cut the two hour and 55 minute version of that movie. And it wasn't yeah. like at any point did we say, oh, this is so bad, it's good. It was just infuriatingly bad. It was and just I, us shouting at the screen and each other, but we weren't mad at each other. It was just like <laughs> a lot of emotion. We also watched Suicide Squad and I was very blazed. Uh, 
I think that one's still somehow worse because it just doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, it's just miserable. It's almost like hard to find a line of attack with that movie because it all doesn't make sense. Right. It's it's rare that you see a movie. Like, I'll, I'll say this for Snyder, right? Because I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. He makes films that at least feel like bad films. Uh, mm-hmm. Suicide Squad didn't feel like a film. It was so yeah. disjointed and such a mess. It's what I assume that Iceman movie is like. I haven't watched that movie, but I'm fascinated to watch it because I heard that they just they didn't shoot 30% of what they needed oh, to this, shoot. So this Snowman. Snowman, Snowman. Sorry, we did yeah. this last time. I fucked it up last yeah, time. Yeah, because Iceman is like a mildly rated Michael Shannon vehicle. Um, okay. You're talking about Snowman with Fassbender. Right, yeah, I've heard right. It's a fucking train wreck, yeah. And that's what I'm saying, which is like, very rarely do you see a movie where you're like, oh, wow, like fundamentally, this does not work as a film. And that that's not the same thing as watching a film that fundamentally works as a film and it's just bad. Snyder mm-hmm. makes bad movies, but they work fundamentally, I guess, as a film. Suicide Squad was not that experience. And, it, and I don't know any movie that had a budget that high that failed on that level. You know what I'm saying? It's staggering. Right. Like it should be studied in fucking schools on what not to do. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's such a rich uh, tap, and, and and they're already saying like, go oh, release the Ayer cut because there's a David Ayer cut. Like I've seen enough David Ayer to know that I don't need that cut ever. The one thing <laughs> he did was Training Day, and I think that Denzel was the one who fucking like made that shit work. Right. Well, Anton Foucault directed it. It wasn't even Ayers yeah. who directed it. That's a Reza right. script, yeah, and as we all know, script. scripts get thrown out all the time. Like in terms of large swabs of it, it's the actor and the director who usually like. Isn't that True Detective season one? Right. We talked about mm-hmm. like Carrie Fukunaga just throwing out entire passages of Pizzolitto's right. dialogue. And, and, and same, stuff. same with like uh, Denny Villeneuve with uh, Sicario. Um, and oh. I know you still haven't seen the sequel, right? Yeah, I haven't. Well, because you, you kind of told me it takes it's like everything that makes the first one what it is. They immediately try to moralize his character in the second film. Yeah, well, they, they and they like give him like this girl to protect or whatever. And he has like a lot of dialogue, whereas in the first one, it's so terse. And apparently Denny like literally took out chunks, paragraphs of dialogue till it was like the barest minimum of what needed to be said to communicate what was happening in the story. And it has yeah. all this mystery and visual tension and shit. And it's like the second one is just like Benicio's like, hey, I may not be a good man, but I, I want to do better. And it's just like, I don't need that. <laughs> He's the wolf. He's a fucking wolf in the first movie. Like, yeah. why would you? Uh, I don't know. The first movie like gets more perfect uh, every time I watch it. Um, that second one gets worse the more I think about it. So, but yeah, to, to speak to your larger point, um, you know, we don't need what? more. Suicide Squad's bad and we don't need air. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't air, need more air. I didn't see that tax collector movie where he made Shia uh, a cholo, but... <laughs> Things were happening what is with him in like cholos and like gangs. And can I tell you real talk? Because I'm in LA mm. now. I kind of get it. I, I wrote uh, an outline for a thing I want to do. It's like set in Griffith Park during the pandemic. Again, I'm trying to write stuff where it's like, I don't need people around. And so yeah. I wanted to do something about park rangers when there were six weeks where they closed Griffith Park. Like no one could go mm-hmm. into it. And so I wanted to write something there. And I just had this one character that I made and his brother is like a cholo proper but it's like gonna be this beautiful moment at the end where like this cholo fucking like is the one dude who knows how to handle this situation or something and it's just like oh i'm writing this because i've spent time with cholos here and they're fucking adorable like some of them sure are the stereotype whatever other cholos are like talk to me about morrissey lyrics and shit like that Mm -hmm. and are talking to me about like the best tacos in east la they're yeah it's like a pretty big part of the la scene and culture right yeah, no, it is. And, that, and yeah. that's what I love so much about it is like Chicano culture is one of the few like real indigenous cultures of LA. Everyone moves here. That hasn't been gentrified out or. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, yeah. and they're trying, trust me, like Boyle Heights, like they're, they're trying to do it. Um, but it's still one of those things where like it's really amazing to to meet those people on the streets and for the myth to be busted in terms of like oh cholos are scared cholos are just cool fucking people who have like and the same way like mariachis are just musicians who wear suits they're still musicians nothing changes that about them and that's how i felt about cholos i sort of get it his obsession with it is on a different level but i understand wanting to use it as like a as a spice as a flavor of of what la is just like keeps making these fucking cop movies that where the cops are like kind of morally compromised and there's usually a cholo in the mix if not several and it just like flies off the rails from there yeah um, but even in training day that cholo who almost shoots him in a bathtub 
which mm-hmm. is played by what's his face? Uh, it, fuck, he's the he's the the, the New Zealand it's actor. Been- Cliff Curtis, Cliff Curtis, Cliff Curtis, Cliff Curtis plays a Mexican in that movie and his name is Smiley (laughs) because of course it is (laughs) fucking air, fucking air. Of course, his name's Smiley. So Smiley in the movie is about to shoot Ethan Hawke in the fucking tub. And then afterwards, when he gets the call, right, because Ethan Hawke saved his like niece or something earlier in the film, little Mm -hmm. little plotting there. Uh, so warm and so nice. And he's just like, you know, it was just business homes, right? <laughs> like He writes the Cholo as the most compassionate person in that fucking movie, which is insane right. to me. Then you fast forward to the tax collector where like well, Shia is of, fully tatted. <laughs> you know, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I was going to say in Suicide Squad, he does the same thing with the um, with the fire guy. Uh, right. What's his name? Diablo. I, Diablo, yeah. yeah. I was, was going to call like Ghost. The, He's literally the only character in the movie. <laughs> like he has right. an actual backstory and a motivation. <laughs> I mean, so obviously like David Ayer has taken upon himself. This is his green book. You know, he's like, I'm going right. to change hearts and minds on Cholos. <laughs> That's my one goal as a filmmaker. That's his I crusade. Did, like, yeah, I don't care well, how I, bad the movie is. <laughs> as long as the Cholos get the last say. I did Fury so I could do Suicide Squad Cholo movie. Like that was his emotional Yo, entry point. You know? I haven't seen Fury. Is there a Cholo in Fury? I hope so. No, I haven't <laughs> fucking seen it. I mean, like I. <laughs> I hope so. What like what what <laughs> room World would War there II. be? Well, that's my point. Like, what room would there be for a Cholo in World War Two? Right. Like, he was I, I don't literally know. forced by the confines of the story. Like otherwise, <laughs> like he probably had a character that he had to cut because he's like, oh, doesn't make sense here. <laughs> Because well, we just don't talk about that shit, right? Where like like black yeah. servicemen had a hard enough time. Like I, I, I imagine yeah. being a cholo, cholo servicemen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jeez. is that the next fucking buddy like in the army now movie that we need to make where two cholos go into the army World War II time? And it's like a 1941 Spielberg esque John Belushi mm. kind of comedy, but with cholos. Oh wow! Yeah, I love it. I, I want to see it, kind of. <laughs> I want to see Ayer direct it. I think that it would really be in his wheelhouse, you know. Oh, God, we need to. That needs to be stopped. I think I talked myself in and out of an idea subsequently, <laughs> like within 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 a U turn, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's just funny, but you know, it probably wouldn't work as a movie. I don't know. Sometimes I need to like talk myself down from these ideas that we have where it's like, yeah, I want to see that. And it's like, do you really though? Do you really right. want to see two hours How much of that? money do you want to waste on that? Because that's my other thing. I start thinking about budgets and I'm really happy that I'm thinking about micro budget stuff. But then mm-hmm. I'm thinking about other movies and I'm like, how much did that Jesus, like how many you could have fed so many people like we could have, right. you know, we well, could have like, like <laughs> built a house. <laughs> we could have built a, a fucking cul-de-sac, man. We've talked about it a lot, but you look at a guy like fucking Jim Cummings and like, I know we both recently watched Thunder Road, right? Yeah, yeah. And like the fact that he made that for what, 200 grand and it looks like a professional movie, like you you wouldn't see that it's not, you know, a fucking million dollar movie. And then other people like spend $300 million on a Spider-Man movie and it looks like shit. So I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how, where that money goes. I don't know how that works. I was making that... Uh that case for when district nine came out because I was like, Oh, that's a $35 million movie that looks better than transformers to me. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't want to be a shit out about it. Uh, but that's what it felt like. And then we get even more micro where you're like, yeah, I just don't know where money goes. And it seems like it's all a lie. It's like people inflate. I mean, that's what I think is happening here. People are like, Oh, that costs a hundred million dollars, but then they only make it for 70 and the director just kind of like, you know, pockets that. Just scoops it. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Puts because his arm you guys like Christian literally put his arm out and just scoops some fake wads. I just assume it's like, you know, they have craft services and shit like that. Like what? You're not going to grab all that food on the way out? Like, of course you do. That's what I think happens right. with these budgets. You know, they overinflate the budget so they can pocket the money. Damn. It's a grift, man. We need to get in on that grift. That would make me feel better about air if like that $120 million budget, like 40 of it, he just, you know, swiped on over that and gave it to Cholo Communities. Well, he gave it to Cholo Communities. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, gotcha. That's why <laughs> but then he LA's starts pocketing it himself, but he justifies it by saying, well, th- this will give me more capital to make other Cholo movies. Right. Just pocketing that Cholo money. Starts dipping you know? his toe into that world. You can't, you can't do it. You can't halfway do it. You know? And he like, tries to become a Cholo and that's problematic. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, that's the that's the second act crisis. Like he shows I up on like set as a cholo. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to make that the air biopic. Like we got to really explore what happened to him on page five. That like an imagined biopic of something that he clearly isn't doing right now. <laughs> I just want to know what's going on. Like what what fundamentally gave him the cholo obsession to the point where in the second act crisis, his meeting with the goddesses, he shows up as a cholo he gets what he wants but it costs him something right like now they're like air had a fucking nervous breakdown and he's been embezzling this whole time so he gets treated by the law as a cholo american not as a white man with privilege oh. and money you know okay what I'm so this, like, is, this isn't like a problematic like rachel dolezal type situation this well, is like that too but you be a cholo you're a cholo now now you deal with the cholo justice system like one <laughs> Tell me this is a riveting fucking movie. I would watch that. Like how a man has everything, willfully gives it up to be a cholo, <laughs> only to be like, oh shit, maybe it was better to be a white man this whole time, you know? Okay, so unlike a lot of the things we've pitched today, that I would actually watch. I, I, I love it. I think that's our next project. Let's drop Horse Cops. Let's drop everything we're oh, doing. Oh God, Horse Cops is doing too good to drop, but I think we definitely start up another burner and and start mm-hmm. putting some seasoning into that fucking. Get that stew going is my point. You know what I mean? Some seasoning into that fucking thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Tiger Um, Woods was just in a car crash, says my CNN app. Poor Tiger. Yeah. I'm sorry. That sucks. He's been through some shit with cars, you know? What's that? He's been through some shit with cars. You know, when he he got. Well, when that cheating scandal happened to him, he was driving a car. I don't know if that like qualifies as a uh, as a thing that happened to him in a car, but you know, car crash and car affair, right? A lot of cars. I, I just don't have any context for this, so it's just <laughs> you you just dropping that on me. Like he was in a car when that happened. It's like, oh well, okay. You ever saw that South Park episode where like they're playing the golf I might game? Have. And then, and then the new version of the golf game, they're like, holy shit, Tiger Woods kicks ass this year. And it's like in the game, it's his wife showing up and like trying to beat him for cheating on him. It's really good. It's a good episode. And you're like, ah, poor Tiger, I guess, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad that South Park though has like moved to, away from like parodying celebrities as much because uh-huh. it did, it did feel like a little, like there's this whole Britney Spears thing going on now, you know? Yeah. How do you feel about like, that? That's interesting. I mean, I haven't watched the documentary, but like it is like something where it's like you do start interrogating like uh, what what we do and say in terms of like how that can actually affect a human being. And it's like just seeing like a, a famous person, not as a famous person, but as like a, a person and like the harm that was done to them via, you know, our collective uh, hassling. I don't know the best yeah. word, you know, I find it really interesting that what we do as a society is we look at Britney Spears and say, well, fucking there's a billion other famous people and they're not having a nervous breakdown. You freak. Right. You know, I think that's what the mentality was at the time, right. but I'll honestly tell you that I didn't know up until this, um, this legal fight with her father and her sister and mm-hmm. shit, how bad this was. Like yeah. what, what I, what I found out like early pandemic, she was doing the slave for you dance on TikTok, mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, she's doing, she's thriving in the pandemic. Good right. for her. But then but you really, hear about, she, that was like a cry for help. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane yeah. to me. And so I start to look back on that thing. And it was really interesting that her breakdown happened as we were adolescents. We were really right. young. We were like her big break was when we were seven and her yeah. reign was from 97 to like 2004 ish, 2005 ish. Mm-hmm. But there were like breakdowns in between then. And it's really yeah. interesting to say how we qualified it as like, oh, she's crazy, but she's fine. She has money and there's no sympathy there. And so right. I think that it's amazing that we're kind of coming back around on this being like, oh, we did this poor girl so fucking wrong and she was a young lady that we took advantage of culturally and yeah yeah it's it's like we wanted to build her up so we could knock her down and she was just a child when she got into this game you know and it's just like uh i don't know like it it does make you and i think that our society has kind of moved away from that a bit you know Mm -hmm. in terms of like picking apart someone's personal life but maybe i'm just so removed from that conversation that i don't know i just remember like people were mean man like and like they made fun of that breakdown like the worst moment of her life publicly uh, like for years and years, even Rick and Morty did a riff on it. It's pretty fucking sad. I mean, yeah. like I, I'm, well, I'm just thinking about it now because it's like, oh, we're not culpable. And I guess technically we're not, but anyone who was alive and, and didn't say something, it's so weird to me that this started picking up 
that Justin Timberlake had to be like, I'm going to issue an apology to Britney and to Janet Jackson. I failed you. Right. Like it was a preemptive, like he knew that the fucking, like the angry well, mob was it's, coming. It's, yeah. He, he started trending on Twitter. Like Justin Timberlake is a dick who knew. And like, he had to get ahead of it. I, I, I mean, like beyond the wardrobe malfunction, didn't he go on like Howard Stern and talk about Britney Spears, like virginity and shit, like really grody, disgusting yeah. things that you wouldn't Probably. do but hey you know who came out looking pretty good is craig craigie ferg's craig Ferguson. i love him yeah yeah no, i saw that, that thing he was yeah. like I'm not, I'm not gonna make i'm not i'm not gonna do a craig ferguson but <laughs> i'm you not gonna make it. fun of britney it's gross yeah. don't do it well it's good to know that there were some people who were on that wagon back then it's always amazing that the people with the most empathy are the people who would have themselves been dealt a similar fate, right? Like right. Ferguson knows what it's like to be a drunken buffoon or to yeah, have a to be a teenage pop star, you know, <laughs> on top of the world selling sexuality on album covers. Craig Ferguson knows it better than most. But yeah, he p- is, like, he pivoted really well to you know sardonic late night host, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think it's just very interesting the people who would understand the ridicule of being down to 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 being the worst version of yourself often, and not because you choose that, but because there is this illness, there's this monkey on your back, there's this great weight that makes you feel like you have to be that person. And it's like, oh, he has the compassion. No one else had the compassion because most people don't deal with the same strife. I think, you know, it's right. silly to say, oh, walk a mile in someone's shoes. It really, that's all it takes, I think, is to like think about what the worst possible day you could have. Now, imagine if someone videotaped that and then made you relive it every single day for the next 15 years of your life, you know? Right. It's- but hey, good news, though. Uh, we're not culpable because we were teenagers. Our brains weren't fully formed yet. So therefore, not responsible for any of our actions, baby. At least we're showing remorse. Yeah, I'll say well, that. I, I've seen, well, no, I mean, I've seen some people like going the other way on this and being like, mm. you know, and still coming at her for what we did as a society, both journalistically and morally, <laughs> like it's still her fault somehow. So I, I do think it's like, at least we're looking back and recontextualizing it and being like, oh yeah, maybe that was fucked up. And maybe it was fucked up that society allowed all of us to say nothing to see here, move along. You know what I mean? So uh, I don't know the Britney Spears things. Let's just get Justin Timberlake. I guess that's the only thing I want is is justice oh, for get, Britney. Go get him. <laughs> yes, because you know what? He's had a couple bad fucking years. Let me tell you this: like the mm. uh, his last record, because you know, like is what he really did. Bad? Is, it was I don't I didn't even listen to it. It was bad in as much that the first song he he his his lyric and the first like thing he says it's like y'all act like the south ain't the shit y'all act like the south ain't the shit and the whole album is man of the woods and i'm wearing flannel and i'm from tennessee and i'm like Uh yeah the south isn't the shit and racist like sorry to say and it all culminated right around like trump taking over and then justin timberlake's a lumberjack now and hank williams is like he's a good old boy when hank williams jr has your back bad company bro so yeah He's been he's been cruising for that fucking bruising for a minute. I swear to God, yeah. he should have pivoted back. I know I'm saying pivot a lot, but he should pivoted back and just like dressed up like a, a New York liberal elite, you know, just done some <laughs> like cool jazzy piano tunes, you know, just to win back the people. I, I think know. you could win a lot of people back. You go back to NSYNC right now, like clearly doesn't need to do it for his career. He's the only one who's, whose rocket ship didn't explode before they got out of orbit. You know what I'm saying? Right. But like now you want to take the distraction. You're like, hey, NSYNC reunion tour with a 49 year old Chris Kirkpatrick still doing choreography and shit. <laughs> I'm just saying like oxygen tanks and fucking hip replacements are going to have to be ready like to go for that tour. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you know, like we have a punky re- uh, Brewster reboot at this point. So like, we're probably going to get an in-sync re- reunion at some point. Are those gotta- comparable to you? Are you like punky Brewster up here? And well, I, I, n- no, it's just that like, <laughs> if that's culturally where we're at, there's nowhere else to go, but down. I was thinking about that. Like, how did that get greenlit? This goes back to us saying, hey, we don't need permission. We just need to make shit. Because like, who 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 said yes to that? They're just right. making shit out here. Like, there's no reason that you can't do anything. If someone thinks that an adult punky Brewster was a good idea, that they could make money off that. We need like, to exploit that stupidity. Because <laughs> yes, we know that show is going to fail. Like, that's I, a non-starter right out of the gate. But somebody was like, hey, put it in production. Or like any of that shit, it's because our our age group is starting to make decisions. And maybe yeah. not our age group, but the people like, actually, I think it's my brothers and sisters age group because I wasn't a Saved by the Bell person and I wasn't a Punky Brewster person. 
But right. my brother and sister, who are seven and 11 years older than me, respectfully, that is totally them. So it's really mm. exciting to see in like five, 10 years. We're already seeing it in merchandising, right? Like I had a friend of mine went to Hot Topic the other day and was telling me that all of the Hot Topic stuff, because when we were growing up, it was like Princess Bride and, and Nightmare Before Christmas and all this shit, right? Now, Nightmare mm-hmm. is still ubiquitous and it's still there. But all the other sure. shit is like Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life. It was the stuff that we grew up on that is now right. being put up as the nostalgic hipster way. It's just constantly like a shifting 20 year window where anything 20 years ago is what we fucking slap on some merchandise now. But I also think that's a direct result of the people who are now running this shit and get to curate the merchandise and stuff like that Mm. are people who grew up during that time period. So it's a little bit different. I think in five, 10 years, you're going to have, I don't know, like... (laughs) I don't know what was the big show in the 90s that was like our thing what, that was like very... J- Jimmy Neutron or something. Don't fucking sleep on it, man. Don't sleep <laughs> on Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> Where's my burrito? <laughs> <laughs>